Um, in the time that I've had uh, the opportunity to share with you guys uh, and listen to your prayers and to your concerns, what God is uh, speaking to you, I really felt that it was um, much more appropriate to go into something different, a different kind of uh, subject and try to flow with um, uh, the, just the ethos, the spirit that I, I sense from all of us here in this group. So I'm going to uh, go into a passage in the book of Joshua, chapter 5, and uh, go into verses 13 through 15. You know, it's a strange uh, passage, and, and I, I had never preached on it until last week when the Lord uh, put it in my heart just like now. I mean, uh, in a few minutes before I started to preach on a Wednesday night service at my Latino uh, service on uh, Wednesday nights. And, uh, you know, it, it spoke to me. And so I want to share that passage because I think it's appropriate for the times that we are living in. And let me just read it quickly. Uh, Joshua 5, uh, verse 13 through 15. It says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us? or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And uh, so just in case I get lost in the bushes uh, of this uh, passage and the teaching, and let me just give you the summary of what uh, the Lord has placed in my heart to share with you. Number one, I think there's this point that we are living in, in, in a time of imminence, meaning a time of impending developments, a time of uh, Kairos resolution, uh, a time where many things that we have been waiting for are about to erupt or are already in the process of erupting. That number one. Uh, number two, is uh, the fact that um, as we enter into that new time, um, there will be times of conflict, even as the Lord is bringing us into uh, the experience of many things that we have been waiting for, for a very long time, there will be battles to be fought. There will be uh, obstacles to be overcome. There will be extraordinary challenges to be faced and to be resolved. Some of them almost insurmountable by our own strength and intimidating, certainly. Number three, I think that um, we can trust, though, that God is on our side and that he will be very much in sync with our own efforts, with our own human uh, due diligence as the Church of Christ here in, in history, in time and space, and that there will be a parallel uh, dimension, uh, parallel to the, the dimension of the visible, the you know, time and space, the church doing its work here in the world, a parallel dimension that will flow um, also in synchrony with our own activity in, in the realm of the spirit, and that uh, we will not be left alone to fight our battles, that God will be very much aligned with us, uh, making sure that we are not uh, defeated, that we, are not, um, that we will not fail in the calling. And I guess the, the last piece of this uh, teaching is that um, there are certain realizations that we need to have. There are certain attitudes. There are certain practices. There are uh, certain understandings that we need to engage in. 
that will lead to practices in the light of those understandings that we need to have in order for what God wants to do to take place. So that's, that's the essence of the passage. And, and I think all of this is contained here in just a in, in very uh, tight form. Now, you have to see the context of this passage. I mean, the, the whole uh, first couple of uh, chapters of Joshua in particular are precisely about uh, this, this moment that the, the, the Israelites are living where um, they are about to enter into what they have been waiting for for 40 years and even before that for hundreds of years. Um, this uh, land that God has given to them, where they will enter into the fullness of their identity as God's chosen people to live as a nation and to carry out all kinds of things um, and to live out all kinds of spiritual truths um, that will have uh, repercussions for the rest of human history, thousands of years. And so they've been going around uh, the desert for 40 years uh, in utter uh, failure, in a sense, and waiting uh, and asking themselves, when will we enter into finally into uh, this land? You know, they, you know well the story. They failed God. God condemned them to 40 years of wandering in the desert. All that first generation has died out. I'm sure the Israelites, uh, before this moment came about, they were probably very discouraged and, and doubting that everything that they had thought, that they had heard, that they had experienced, probably thinking, you know, it was all for nothing and uh, probably full of doubt. And uh, here comes the moment now, you know, the, if you read the, the verses before, God has given them certain directions. They have crossed the Jordan finally. Now they're in the land uh, that they have been waiting to enter into. They have eaten for the first time of uh, the fruit of the land. No more manna, no more substitutions, no more, you know, just uh, hoping for these things and, and uh, God giving them temporary solutions to their problems like, uh, you know, clothes that don't get uh, old and, that, and, you know, the, the, the monotony of the, the food that they eat and, and all these, these things that are, that are just simply to, uh, to hold, them, uh, to hold uh, them until they enter into the enjoyment of, you know, house, real houses and, and eating real food and so on and so forth. And now they're, they're, they're finally entered into that. But then there's another piece, which is this moment that they're about, that they're experiencing, where they now have this Jericho, uh, which Jericho is not just a, you know, a, 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 the symbol of a, you know, it, it wasn't just a fortress. It wasn't just a, a place of strategic significance that needed to be overcome in order for them to be able to peacefully enter into the land, not have this thing on their back, this mighty uh, city and warriors uh, waiting to destroy them as they enter into the land. They needed to overcome that. They needed to take care of that. So there was no going around it. And, uh, you know, the, so there's this pregnant moment. They have circumcised themselves. They, they're already there, but they're not there yet, in a sense. And so here we have Joshua in this passage, who we see he's near Jericho. And, uh, you know, you wonder, what is he doing there? What was he doing near Jericho? And was he alone? Maybe he had just a couple of other warriors with him. He was certainly spying the land. He's, he's exploring this city. And the more he explores it, the more he, he realizes it's impregnable. The more he realizes that this is not going to be an easy thing. It's really impossible. We know about the walls of Jericho. They were very powerful, very tall, very thick. This place was armed to the teeth, and they were very able to resist any attack for many months. And besides that, you know, the Israelites just didn't have 
the wherewithal. They didn't have the weapons. They didn't have uh, the uh, knowledge of war. They didn't have any ramparts or any kind of uh, you know machinery of war to tear down those walls. And, and so uh, you know Joshua is doing what any leader will do. He, he's exploring, just like Nehemiah, when we see him in you know exploring the the city of Jerusalem before building rebuilding the walls. And so he's exploring. He's looking around. I suspect that he was just uh, you know feeling very down and and understanding for the first time how difficult the job that he had ahead for him and for his people was and so you know i i think that um the church uh in in this moment that we are living in is like that i know i feel like that many times i feel the imminence of what god um is about to do i think we all know that we are pregnant with something that is extraordinary ahead for the church we've been waiting for that we've been preaching about it um, many times we have been very, um, you know, disappointed and discouraged and asking ourselves, when is it going to really happen? And in our moments of faith, uh, you know, we, we have proclaimed that, no, God is going to do something and he is about to do it. And uh, we feel that very strongly. And, um, you know, but we're also uh, overcome by this sense of, wow, I mean, how is that going to happen? How is God going to do this? We, we are immersed in, in the context of a culture that is so resistant to the gospel and so able to resist the the most powerful arguments that we we can level against it you know we're lamenting the death of Ravi Zacharias whom we so uh, admired and the fact is that this culture is well able like Jericho to resist the best attacks that we can level against it um, all the arguments and all the the um, the organization and all the complexity that we can level against it. Uh, it's armed, it's, it's walls are locked, you know, it's doors are very much impregnable. And uh, we often ask ourselves, you know, how is this going to happen? The world seems to be getting worse by the minute and more resistant. And so I think this is the moment that we find ourselves, the moment of imminence. We know that, you know, God is about to do something and we're seeing certain things happen, but we don't know really how we're going to enter into the next uh, stage of things. And it is at this moment that this mysterious personage enters into play. He says he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him. How did that man materialize before um, Joshua? Uh, he must have been there all along. I have a sense that Joshua was probably looking down to the ground and, uh, you know, doing something else. And he raises his head and there is this, this guy mysteriously materializing, uh, having materialized before him. Now, when, when, when he, this guy probably seems to be at a little bit of a distance, but close enough that uh, Joshua can discern him. And uh, you, you can imagine by what we know of this guy later on in the passage that he, this was not a common individual. He was a mysterious, intriguing person. I suspect that he was, uh, had a certain stature, a certain size, a certain physical presence to him. I mean, after all, we, we hear later on that this is the, the, the captain of uh, the Lord's army, the commander of the Lord's army. This was no puny individual. This was a guy probably of great uh, substance, intimidating and uh, mysterious. And I think Joshua intuits right away that this guy is not from this world um, or, or that if he is, he's a very, very exceptional guy. And so, um, you know, he walks up to him. And, and that says something about, you know, the courage of Joshua. Of course, this is why God chooses him. And, you know, he had shown this courage before. He had shown a certain amount of discernment. He walks up to this guy, looks at him with his sword 
drawn, ready for battle. I mean, this is why he has his, he's sending a message already. I am ready to do battle. I am ready to use the power that I have command of. And so Joshua asks him, you know, this mysterious question, hey, are you for us or are you against us? And I think, you know, it, it was a very relevant question. If you have a 500-pound gorilla, you want to know whether this gorilla is on your side or whether he's going to attack you or not or fight against you. And so uh, this, this suggests the other piece here that, you know, that this uh, being, and we know from, from uh, you know, others who have read about this passage, some have said that this is a, a uh, theophany. It was one of those moments where, in a sense, uh, God chooses to project himself, if you will, in a form that is digestible to the human understanding. So this is like a you know, hologram, if you will, of, of God. This is a, some people have said that this is a Jesus Christ, you know, in, uh, as a, you know, the angel of the Lord. So some people have often, some uh, students of the Bible, thought that this was a, you know, an incarnation of Jesus. Um, and very, it could very well be because, you know, toward the end of the passage, we see that uh, Joshua prostrates himself worshiping this this being when he realizes what he's uh, in front of and uh, this uh, being does not reject his worship as probably would have happened if he would have been just a quote-unquote mere angel it could it could have been you know also maybe the archangel michael who fights for god's people we, we're not sure but um what we're seeing here is this idea that god um, has sent this being for a particular mission and so um I, this is the this is this thing about the fact that yes we are in 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 the right before a moment of great definition vis-a-vis -vis the culture that we're facing and the things that God wants to do where He's prepared to put the church into. Um, and He is uh, He th th there's another dimension, um, uh, a parallel dimension, where God um, is very much on the side of His people, and there are things happening in the heavenlies that uh, will inure to the advancement of God's kingdom and ultimately for the church, which is um, in, in synchrony, in, in um, alignment with the kingdom of God. So that the church is not fighting on its own. The church has the power of God on its side. But Joshua, again, going back to that question that Joshua asks uh, this being, are you for us or against us? And you know, the, I think the most intriguing thing about this passage is the answer of uh, this uh, warrior he says, uh, neither. I'm, I'm not for you. I'm not against you. But I have come as the commander of uh, the Lord's army. And, you know, there's something here about um, for us as the church also. You know, we, in this time that we're uh, living, there has been such, um, such division in our, in our nation. And even within the church, there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of division, um, you know, in different sectors of the church. Like never before, you know, uh, we're all aware of how divided the church is and how divided the nation is. You know, one of the great uh, dividing lines is uh, liberalism, conservatism, Trump, anti-Trump. And, uh, you know, that has divided the church. And I, I, I see so many uh, believers in so many sectors of the church aligning themselves with, uh, you know, uh, the U.S. and uh, make the U.S. great again and so on. And believe me, as an immigrant, I love the United States 
And, and I think it's, it is an exceptional nation and it's a wonderful uh, place uh, to live in. It's unique and so on. But I think I, I'm saddened sometimes to see that in, in, in the struggles that we're in and how divided we are, I think we have lost a perspective that the church is not about the parties. And we are about the truth of God. And where that truth lies, that's where we are aligned. But uh, we can never become so uh, partial, uh, partialized and, and so uh, into parties, into nations, into political causes, that we lose the sight of what we really are about. We are God's people fighting an eternal battle. And uh, all of our leaders ultimately have failed us and will fail us. And now God uses them. God uses, I think, personally, uh, um, I think God is using a man like uh, Donald Trump in extraordinary sorts of ways. But I think the church needs to also understand that um, he is a flawed human being. He makes extraordinary mistakes. And despite all of that, God chooses to use him. And uh, we should never lose sight of that. We should never lose our critical uh, acumen, our capacity to see uh, the, the good and the bad in all of these different sides and not to align ourselves with any side, but to remain focused on the fact that God is doing extraordinary things in history and that we need to be aligned with the, the eternal truths of God. Uh, we need to be aligned with the spiritual principles of uh, Scripture. And those principles sometimes may lead us to go against one side or against the other or in favor of one or perhaps even in favor of the other. Because there's something that God is doing in the world right now that goes beyond the USA. It goes beyond Donald Trump or uh, Barack Obama. It goes beyond social justice as we understand it. Uh, um, on and on and on. Capitalism versus socialism. You know, it, it is the principles of scripture that we need to be tethered to. And so I think this answer of uh, the commander of God's army, I'm not for, I'm not for either one of you. I, I, will, I cannot be reduced. I will not be reduced to uh, the battles of the Israelites against um, the uh, Canaanites, uh, I, I am, instead of that, I, I am in favor of God's kingdom, what God's kingdom is about, what, what the moment that is being lived, and you guys are happen to be with us. I, I'm not with you. You are with me, and you are with us, and you need to flow in alignment with that. So I think it's important, you know, for us to be able to, to understand that in this time that God is going to be doing extraordinary things, that uh, at the same time, we need to be more than ever focused on the, the principles of God's kingdom and not to, uh, not to get lost in all the petty rivalries and, and uh, all the petty um, you know, alignments and criticisms and lose sight of our capacity to be critical and, and uh, to be more than ever focused on the eternal things. And I think that's the last point of this passage which is that, uh, as you know, this uh, being uh, calls attention that he is here for the purpose of the kingdom of God. He has come to fight the battles of the kingdom of God, which often will inure to the benefit of the Israelites insofar as they are in alignment with the kingdom of God. Um, but then, you know, Joshua, realizing the nature of this uh, individual, falls uh, face down. And I think that there's a couple of things here, and I end with, I end with that, that are, that are crucial also for us. And I think I'm speaking to the choir here, literally. Um, he, he falls down on the ground in reverence. Um, so there, there's an element there of uh, worship, adoration. We, we need to be prepared. And I think, uh, Sad, this is what uh, you are saying, that this bride needs to prepare itself. We need to 
more than ever sanctify ourselves. And this is what the, you know, the, this is the, what the circumcision is about. We need to sanctify ourselves. We need to be more than ever consecrated to the Lord. We must be dwelling in that dimension of the spirit, of the gifts. Some of you prayed about the gifts, you know, and, and the miraculous coming into play. I really know that um, we cannot conquer uh, the battles uh, that, uh, and, and the, uh, be victorious in the wars that are ahead for us without being filled with the spirit, sanctified in our lives, just uh, absorbed by, by this sense of the presence of God, the mystery that we are living in. Even now, this moment that we're living in of the whole COVID situation, it, you know, we, we have to lose ourselves more and more in, in the word, in, in the worship, in the mysterious, seeking more and more of the supernatural, because that's really where the, the battle is going to be won. And, and no matter what we do at the level of a Joshua exploring Jericho, you know, doing strategic thinking and so on and so forth, ultimately, there has to be this piece of uh, us uh, bringing forth and, uh, you know, just uh, uh, invoking and, and bringing about the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Even as we come close to Pentecost now, more than ever, we need to be aware that these battles are going to be won at the level of the Spirit and cultivating the power of God. We need to become thirsty. We need to immerse ourselves, to just submerge ourselves with the sense of the, of the um, supernatural and lose ourselves in this presence of God that, that is uh, before us. And finally, you know, uh, Joshua asks, asks him a question. Um, you know, what, what message does my Lord have for his servant? You know, he may have expected like specific direction about the, the battle, you know, the strategy, what he needed to do and so on and so forth, and how to prepare the men for war. But, you know, his answer is not uh, about any of that. He says, take of your sandals, for the place uh, where you are standing is holy. And, and where have you heard those words before? Where have you read them before? It was another moment of imminence when God is calling Moses for the, uh, another piece of realization, where what Moses has been waiting for and suspecting that he had been called for now becomes real. And he's been now being called to enter into his, into his own moment of realization and come before Pharaoh to initiate another moment of development and of, uh, you know, uh, just a culmination of processes. And so uh, when, when Moses comes before the living God in this uh, bush that burns without being consumed, you know, he realizes that he's before the very presence of God. And God tells him, you are before my presence. Take off your shoes in a sign of uh, utter respect and reverence for me. Because that's where it all begins, where it all begins. Before God will do anything, we need to lose ourselves in his presence, fill ourselves with a sense of uh, just uh, his lordship and his greatness, the sanctity of the moment that we are living. And we need to recognize his holiness and uh, let that holiness uh, lead us into whatever we're going to do. So again, imminence, God being there to fight those battles that we need to fight. Um, the fact that we need to remain focused on the eternal subjects and topics and principles that we are about. Let's not get lost in all the, the little uh, you know, uh, rabbit trails that, that we're tempted to do by the enemy. And then finally, let's uh, practice those divine practices, those uh, spiritual disciplines of worship, of study of the word, sanctification of the self, and awareness of uh, just the divine presence of God and his power in our lives. Amen.
Thank you.